Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 200 of the podcast. It's the 29th of October, 2019, as I record this intro. So, episode 200 feels like a bit of a milestone on my podcast journey. Yay! And it felt like a great time to ask Anna Brown to join me for another Unschooling in Context episode. This time, we're diving into unschooling in the context of de-schooling. Or maybe it's de-schooling in the context of unschooling, (laughs) but either way, I think exploring how they weave together can really help deepen our understanding of them both. As you may have guessed by now, talking about unschooling is my jam. (laughs) I know I want to continue creating new episodes because I'm still buzzing with excitement and inspiration after every single call. And this episode was definitely no different. I had so much fun diving into this topic with Anna, and I hope you find our conversation helpful as part of your unschooling journey. As a personal update this week, you may have noticed that I updated the podcast intro. I work better with reasons, so freshening it up for episode 200 felt right. And we've been enjoying our new garage space I mentioned last week. I moved our comfy outdoor chairs in there instead of packing them away, and we enjoyed the sights and sounds of the rain a couple of days ago without the wind and the wet. It was very nice. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Daniela Bramwell. Hi, Daniela. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and to keep the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And this week on Patreon, I'll be sending out my October roundup. So if you're a patron, watch out for that. And now, let's dive into my conversation with Anna. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Anna Brown. Hi, Anna. Hello. Uh, Just to let you know, we are back with another Unschooling in Context episode. (laughs) I really enjoyed these, Um, and the idea here is to take these episodes um, and look, try to deepen our understanding of unschooling by exploring it in the context of other kind of related things. So this week, um, I would like to dive into de-schooling and contrast that with unschooling. So we're going to talk about various aspects of de-schooling, what we're learning as we work through them, and then what they look like as we come to fully embrace unschooling. So just before we kind of get there, the first thing I wanted to mention was the concept of beginner's mind, because I think it's a really valuable mindset for de-schooling, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And I think it, it, to me, it's kind of foundational for unschooling. And, and I think it, it's that first place to jump back to look at your child, you know, because kids, they are born with this beginner's mind, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. They're, they're the template for that. And so I think whenever we get too far ahead or too mired in whatever, we can always look back. And, and even if our children are older, remember that curious toddler, remember that child with wide open wonder exploring world. Yeah. And I think if, if people don't know kind of what beginner's mind is, I think it kind of speaks for itself, but what it, what it means is it's, it's going back to that place where you don't expect, you know, things about, you know, that you don't understand everything. It's being ready to question what, what we think we know, basically, right? And just being open to new ideas, new perspectives. And exactly, I love that image. And it's one I use often. It's like, I'm a little kid, and I'm really curious about this moment, you know, that that is yep. such a great way to quickly put yourself back into that open open kind of mindset, isn't it? Yes. And, and honestly, I always have you in my head when I kind of get stuck and it's that I want to be open and curious, you know, and I just, I think of you when I think of that. And when I'm faced with kind of a difficult situation, I'm like, you know what, I don't want to judge it. I don't want to be fearful of it. I just want to be open and curious. And to me, that kind of speaks to the beginner's mind, I think, because hmm. children are just, they don't think they know, and they don't really have a lot of fear about it. They really are just like, Oh, what's this? <laughs> you know, I want to touch it, feel it, explore it, understand it. And so I, um, it really helps me. It calms me when I'm feeling like a situation's feeling a little bit big for me to just step back and go, you know what, I'm just going to observe and I'm going to be open and curious. So I appreciate that from you. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks. But yeah, I, I mean, for me, it is, it is such, such a way, an easy way or, or helpful way for me to um, be open to other people's perspectives and what they have to say, right? Because I can be open and be looking at a situation and I can be seeing it the way I see it because that's I, that's all I can see in the moment, right? I mean, even if I'm open and I can be seeing different things and seeing different aspects, but being open to hearing how other people see it is, yes. is really, really helpful. And you know what? After, after a while, as you've been practicing this, um, I think what it what it builds for us is kind of a trust in ourselves to be able to mm -hmm. think for ourselves, right? It's okay to think, does this make sense to me? Um, how do other people see it? I can value how other people see it because how it makes sense to me is literally the way other people are looking at it too. Right, They're like, right. this is the way it makes sense to me, right? And those are all completely valid. And I think too, the other thing that it does that I love is once we're starting to see things from outside of our box, it really opens our creativity, right? Our, our openness to seeing different ways to move through it. And it helps us like unattach from, from the way we were uh, wanting to move through it. Right. Right. And, and I think it's um, a piece of it is, when we get defensive, so someone else is, is showing us another perspective 
And if our reaction is instead to be defensive, it just really shuts that down. You know, we don't, we, we lose that connection with that person and we lose the opportunity to grow and maybe change. We don't have to feel like me hearing a different perspective doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to change my mind, but just when I can approach it with that open curiosity, I, I just feel like it gives, it keeps me connected to that person, even if we end up not agreeing in the end, because I'm, I don't have that defensive stance, but it also, just, I think, allows us both room to then hear each other and to move forward and, and to learn and grow. And, and that's really one of the things I love so much about unschooling is that openness and that kind of free flow of ideas between parent and children and, and friends and the community around us. Yeah, because that that free flow, that openness, that trust with your child is because they not, they trust you to listen. They they yes. feel heard. It's that that chance to say. And and us being open to seeing things differently, maybe shifting things, um, also gives them the space to do that without feeling like they've lost power or something, right? That they've right. given up anything. No, we're all moving forward. Nobody has to move backward by giving up what they, how they thought they saw something. No. No. Absolutely. Anyway, what I love is that most experienced unschoolers I know also embrace this mindset moving forward, right? It's super important mm-hmm. to get to that space um, when you're de-schooling, but we embrace it moving forward. And we, I, I find we approach each day and then, then days become moments, right? As we start to focus moment by moment. But we're with curiosity, with openness to people's ideas, with creativity, and that just just comes much more naturally to us. Um, you know, not perfectly. There's going to be, there's always going to be those fearful moments that come up, right? But, but you sure. begin to notice pretty quickly when things are off yes. and you can shift yes. back. Like you said, I remember how, how would yes. we see that? How would we uh, be open to this? Um, be, and you do that because you know, in your bones that things just seem to work out better when we approach our moments this way, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, it feels better. I mean, that's always kind of a litmus test for me. It's like when I'm get mired in fear or worry about something that doesn't feel good. My relationships then tend to get a little bit off because, you know, I have this off energy. And so when I'm able to, to re, you know, to ground myself and to, to come back to that place of open curiosity, I just, it, things are easier and it just feels better. So, you know, I think that can just be our, how does this feel? Because we're still going to be moving forward and solving problems and we're still going to have challenges and whatever, but it feels so much better to move through those challenges when we're connected and when we are not um, fearful and kind of clinching up about anticipating or whatever the, the situation might be. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so our next, I think this is kind of the, it was the next kind of step for me um, in de-schooling. It all depends on where people are coming on their journey, right? But this, it'll be a big piece at some point, and that's de-schooling our understanding of learning and how learning happens and how eventually you'll come to see it happening everywhere, won't you? (laughs) Right. I mean, I I think... It's so interesting because um, now we've always unschooled, but, but you know, so I didn't have this de-schooling like my kids had been in school and coming home. 
but learning in this, this idea of learning that we have a society is so prevalent. So all of us have this de-schooling to do as we realize that learning doesn't happen in one particular space. Learning doesn't happen in one particular way. You know, learning happens all the time. I mean, we are human beings and we're creatures of learning. I mean, you really can't stop it. And, but I think what we see as, as products of a school system, because, you know, you and I both went to school and, and college and whatever, and is that we do have to continually let go of some of those ideas. Like they pop up in different places to go, oh, really? And I, and I think, again, this theme will probably keep coming out. It's that stepping back and watching the kids because they're doing it all the time, you know, <laughs> they're learning all the time. And, and you'll, you'll be, I think, amazed. I think we hear it over and over again when people do step back and how did they learn that? Where did that come from? Look what they've done. You know, it's so amazing when we step back and give them that space, but, but it's a process and it's a process. We have to be aware that there are things we need to let go of and there's time that we need to step back and watch that longer view. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's why we often talk about, you know, if you're going to, you know, we talk about, you know, it's not a, a, a life decision, you know, choosing unschooling, choosing school. I mean, we can change yeah. our minds, but if you really want to figure out unschooling and understand it, you know, to give it six, I'd say six yeah. months minimum, at least, you know, a year would be great because you need that time frame, don't you, to see how learning unfolds. Um, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, not only just seeing it everywhere, happening everywhere, but valuing all of it the yes. same, right? Um, and another piece I love is the change of, of just how I visualize learning. Like, you know, at school, it's very much step, step, step. And when you're watching the kids, I started to see it way much more as a web, right? Because there's so many interconnections between things. And when you have those months and months of your kids learn, of seeing your kids learning and you look back, you can see how seemingly unrelated topics or things that they did actually had a thread. And now you can kind of see the connection through it, right? So I think that is another big piece when you're de-schooling learning. Um, you, You also see that learning is fun, right? Yes, learning is fun and something that we seek out, not avoid, yes. you know, and, and I know that um, my nephew homeschooled, but in his early years was in school and oh my goodness, I feel like it was for five years, anything he thought was learning, like anything that he thought, he actively avoided. And it was so different with my children and the children that kind of never had been in that school environment. They were just like, oh, I want to read about that. Oh, I want to do that because they're just, we want to take in information. But I think school can sometimes make that such a negative experience that we turn off something that's so human, you know, this, this idea of wanting to learn. And of course now he's 30 and he loves learning new things and he does all kinds of amazing things. But, you know, he had to kind of get over that piece of, of having it have been turned against him almost, you know, which is such a shame to think about learning being turned against us. Yeah. Um, 
And the other piece I want to say real quick was just like learning isn't linear necessarily, you know? And so I think school pretends that it is. I don't even think it's linear in school, but they pretend that it is. And I think just that longer view, like you were talking about six months a year, you see like, Ooh, this little stuff's going on here and then this big leap here and then this other thing here. And then this over here, we jump back to something we revisited from last year and then we're over here. It is the web. It is this completely nonlinear. So yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Cause the time, the time piece of that is, is important yeah. too, right? Because sometimes, Oh, it looks like they're, it looks like maybe they're not learning anything. They're very quiet. They're, you know, what we've sometimes called cocooning for a yeah. while or just do just doing stuff that they already know or watching things they've already seen. And then like you talked about so often, once as they move through it, not on our timetable, on their timetable, but then you recognize the leaps that happen after. It's like, oh, you know, it, it, it really is amazing to watch. And I think as you're, you're talking about that, um, learning in school and outside school, I think often as we're de-schooling, part of the thing we pick up, another thing we pick up is motivation. You know, you start to think about the extrinsic motivation of grades and rewards as you're thinking about testing and is is testing important and and grades, what are the value of those? You know, these are all questions we ask ourselves as as we're de-schooling. And then contrasting that with intrinsic motivation and seeing that in our kids and seeing that unfold and thinking about our school experience. Right. And, and, you know, the effect that we um, discover on our motivations and things. Um, I think that's a huge piece of it as well. And there was, yeah, go go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say there was one other thing I wanted to bring up (laughs) that I think is really important at this stage. And that is, the challenge of um, diving into more structured activities when you first start de-schooling. Yeah. You know, I, I see it and I understand it, you know, because you want, we feel like we're replacing school, right? At first, especially if, you know, but even if your kids have gone, uh, you know, haven't gone to school, but they're hitting school age and you haven't worked through this, that's still how we see learning, right? Because we're talking about de-schooling learning. So we can um, give value to these more formal kinds of learning environments, even, you know, if it's rec classes or, you know, swimming lessons is a a famous one, (laughs) you know, that people bring up. But, you know, any kind of more formal classes, because if you bring it up now while you're in the midst of de-schooling, if you're participating in those things, it can take longer to kind of unwrap that idea, right? That that's not the only, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with them per se, but if that's where we jump the first place, we are just in uh, giving that message, even without words, that that's more important, that this is the way we learn things, right? In, and this is the best way, you know, with a teacher-student kind of relationship. And while you're de-schooling, it is so valuable to see all the different ways that you can learn things, right? So it it seems important to me that part of de-schooling is is not jumping to those first. You know, if your kid loves loves a sport or loves something and loves going, you know, that's okay. It's not like stop them for the sake of stopping them all. <laughs> You know, 
know, you're not trying to stop anybody's joy and fun and learning and exploration or anything, but be super careful that if somebody expresses an interest, that's not the first place. Let's not jump to that first. Let's think of different ways that we can explore it. And, you know, eventually, eventually it'll get to the point where that's one of the options on the plate. But if that's the one we're constantly jumping to, that's going to get in the way of our de-schooling, isn't it? Right. And I, I think, it, it, like you said, it's just sending that message that there's one way. And, and so I would, you know, just kind of offer or even, you know, challenge parents in that position to when, you know, a child says, hey, I'm, I'm interested in calligraphy, you know, because maybe they saw some fancy document somewhere. Instead of saying, oh, well, there's a calligraphy class at the co-op, you know, you can go do that to just step back and think, where's that coming from? Because part of that is a fear a fear that can I help them do this? Can I help them have the resources they need to do whatever? But, but what you realize is a lot of times it's, it's just an exploration. Like we're just wanting to explore. So it may be that you provide some tools about calligraphy and some things and whatever. And then maybe they go, you know what? I do want to see someone else doing it. I do want it, but it doesn't have to necessarily have to be an expert. It could be the neighbor that does wedding invitations and wants to show them what they do or whatever. I, I just, in, when we help our children see the world is filled with learning and the world is filled with so many different ways to acquire knowledge, you know, it's just such a great skill. And, and I think that that jumping to classes is a fear thing. And so I think that's the parents work, you know, Mm -hmm. to sit back and say, I'm not going to be fearful of this. I'm going to trust and watch this unfold. And so, like you said, I think it's just, especially in those early days, just don't jump there. Oh, I like ballet. Okay, we're signing you up for ballet class. No, maybe not. Maybe let's just dance around the living room. Maybe let's just watch a video. Maybe let's just put a tutu on, you know, and have fun with it and do and see where it develops. Because again, it's not that a class is bad. It's that is that where we first want to go. Because what, what I feel like can also happen in that situation is that if a child says something and then is instantly enrolled in a class, they can stop saying something <laughs> because maybe they don't want it to go there. Oh, if I express an interest, then that means I have to take a class. So as opposed to, I want to share these things I'm interested in and we're going to explore it together and find a ton and do all of that together. So those are just some things to think about maybe when those conversations come up. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. The, the, the fear piece, yeah, it, it is so much our work to work through to figure to um, get comfortable in this new role, right? Through the de-schooling process, it's getting comfortable in this new role. And I loved your point about thinking bigger picture too. Because so, uh, you know, our kids will have thought about a whole bunch of things and they're, you know, calligraphy, they've gotten to calligraphy. But, you know, it may be a bigger thing so that when you're, playing around with them, you can bring other related things. That's all part of having the conversations and everything instead of just jumping to the class, right? Right? Because because as we were talking about before, so many things are connected. You know, it doesn't randomly pop in their head calligraphy or whatever it is, ballet. You know what I mean? That That thought doesn't just come up on its own. It's connected to things. It's gotten there somehow. So the exploration can increase include bits of all those pieces that are connected to it for them. So, you know, maybe it is, let's just pick up a pair of ballet slippers. 
you know, and dance around, um, watch them, you know, go to ballet, go. Like, there's just so many things you can do with dancing because maybe they said ballet because that's the, you know, the first term they kind of knew, but dancing is really it, right? right. And dancing around is going to be fun. You know, there's just so much more to explore than to jump to a class, right? And, and yes, yeah, so I love this because what I think, and maybe this will make sense to people. So if we take the interest and then we put plop them in the calligraphy class or the ballet class, then they're sitting there and they're having information given to them. But what we can do in our unschooling environment is have those conversations, you know, so we can have this back and forth and this, okay, Ooh, I like this little bit. I don't like this little bit. There's just no room for that in class as in, in school. And that's where a lot of us buck up against that, you know, where we're like, well, wait, I want to do this a little bit more, or I want to do more of this, or I don't like this aspect, but I like this. So that's where, you know, this individualized education that they talk about doing at the schools, like we can do that because we're having these conversations. And like you said, that calligraphy really may have just been this tiny bit that then led them to this other thing that's the true interest. And you're not going to get there if you're plopped in a calligraphy class having to do letters that someone else is telling you. Thanks. We're not going to know what that is. So, you know, I think it's, it, even if we look at it from a, a perspective of, how to learn most efficiently what we want to know. I mean, this is the way. <laughs> right? Oh, and I that's such a great point too, that 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 may not even be the end point, right? That this may just be something in the middle, you know, and if we stop them there, you know, we're not letting them keep going with what the the next thought and the next connection and the next connection. I love that. So in the context of unschooling, you know, as you're working through all the stuff we've been talking about, the bulk of de-schooling, um, I think what happens is you come to see how rich and engaged and fulfilling learning is when we're following our interests instead of following a curriculum, right? And that it happens regardless of age, because now, you know what, part of it's going to be us learning new things. That is definitely going to come up. Um, as we're de-schooling around learning as well, right? Regardless of time of day, location, activity. Um, and I, it, to me, it's important to say you, that we see these instead of understand these because it is reasonably easy to understand. Like it makes sense, right? It's, it's pretty easy to understand intellectually early on in our journey that learning's bigger than what it looks like in school. But it's different as you work through this process. Once you get, um, when you see it in action, we keep talking about look to our kids, right? See our kids in action, watch what they're doing. Because when you see this stuff in action with your own children, it makes it real like nothing else can, you know, like no book explaining it. No, nothing, nothing. You seeing it in action with your kids and seeing this is the way humans do things, you really see it in action. So I, I, to me, that's a really important piece too. And I think that's part of how you, what the, the mindset that you get to around learning once you're moved through the bulk of de-schooling and have gotten to unschooling per se, right? I think it's so true because, you know, we're talking about it in this way and people are reading articles and they're watching podcasts and whatever, but it really is about just being there and observing your kids because I'm thinking of the, um, we have a summit participant that shared this really beautiful post of her kids um, swinging and she like jotted down the, you know, 20 amazing topics 
that they covered while the two kids are swinging and they're just, you know, talking about ancient Egypt and they're talking about the bugs that did this and the life cycle of that and the this. And it's when you can experience that, it's so amazing. And you really are just filled with this. This is amazing to be able to talk <laughs> right? to our kids and explore and do and have all of this. So there really is nothing like just actually seeing it. So it's great to do the research and read because Pam and I did the same thing because that's how we process information. But wow, you know, the joy and the really sinking it in is just observing and being a part of it and being present in those moments with our kids. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a that's a crucial part of of de schooling as well. Like the understanding is important, but you know when you see it in action, that's when you really absorb it into your soul. I think. Yes, I think so. <laughs> okay, so the next thing I want to talk about, which I think is really fun, is de schooling our language. Right. So I think there are some words that will likely fade out of your vocabulary as you move through de-schooling into embracing unschooling. So, you know, for example, one word is teaching. Right. <laughs> as part of that whole thing about learning, we're also probably thinking about um, the teaching aspect because culturally the word teaching um, it en encompasses the expectation that learning has happened, right? I'm teaching something and whoever I'm teaching is, is learning. You know, that's, that's the way, that's the way it happens. And if the learning doesn't happen, we blame the learner, right? right. Because the teacher shared the information, right? The teacher did their part, <laughs> but there's something wrong with the learner if the learner didn't pick it up. So for me, as I was de-schooling, it was really helpful to be very precise in my language because that helped me see things more clearly. So if I moved away from the idea um, of teaching um, and started seeing things again from my kid's point of view, from the learning and seeing the learning that was happening, and I could start seeing them as separate acts, right? Um, so maybe I said something like, I showed them how to do X or I showed him how to do X. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they learned how to do it from my demonstration. You know, maybe they did what, tying shoes or how to make an egg or, or adding things together, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about. Um, I show it to them. I can explain it, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean per se that they've learned it, that it's made sense to them from their perspective. So I think that um, it was really helpful for me anyway to just really stop using teaching um, as part of my everyday language. Yeah, it really wasn't words that we used because it really doesn't apply. Once you're fully unschooling, I, I think you'll find you don't use that. So, you know, again, here's this kind of thing. When I use the word teach, think about that. Like, huh, why did I choose that word? Because I think it can give you some insights into what you're maybe putting on a particular situation or expectations perhaps or, you know, what it is. So I think it's just a good little, huh. I just was thinking teaching when I wanted to say this, why, and, and explore that. So it just can give you that little hint to dig a little bit deeper there. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's the great thing. It's not about, you know, when we talk about how they fade out of our vocabulary, yes, but it's not about, oh, I'm not supposed to use that word, right? Exactly. Because, because what do you learn from that? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. When you find yourselves using words like that, that we're talking about, that's clue to say, hmm, 
that's probably something I should dig deeper into, just like you were saying. And why am I seeing it from that perspective? You know, another one, it's related to teaching that really, like, it's, it jumps out at me when I see it. And I see it being used quite often. And it's the term field trip. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, why not say, you know, uh, we went to the museum or we went to the science center instead of we took a field trip to the museum or we're all going on a field trip. And, you know, it may seem like semantics, but this is the point of this part of the de-schooling aspect, right? That it's not really semantics. It is schooly language that is still, like we were talking about before, about not doing activities right away. You're overtly sending a message that a field trip to the museum is like more important than going to the park or staying home. Or, you know, it's giving value to something just by the words that, that you use, right? And I think if you take that just one minute, 30 seconds to dig into why you use a particular word, you'll see whatever the word is, there's energy behind it. You know, there's, and I think with a word, word like field trip, you have some expectations and perhaps agenda. <laughs> you know, we're going to be learning something. We're going to be, you know, doing this. And I think when you go into, so, and we can take museums a great example because we did tons of museums, you know, when the kids were little, because it was fun. You know, We just enjoyed that exploration, but we were not going in with agenda. We could have spent the whole time, our, our discovery, it was called Discovery Place in Charlotte, and um, they had this chair that, I guess it's like maybe a hydraulic demonstration, but like you'd sit in it and you'd press these buttons and you would levitate up, you know, <laughs> and, but it was kind of this quiet levitation up. Well, hello, we could have spent the whole hour and a half, you know, just in the chair. <laughs> and that's great because we didn't come there with any agenda. You know, it, it was not that we were looking for any particular thing. It was just like, hey, let's check out Discovery Place today or, oh, let's go downtown and do some things. And, you know, let's pop into Discovery Place because we have a membership and we can come in and out. So I think you know, again, people can say, oh, it's just semantics. It doesn't matter. You're going to the museum too. And it's like, yes, but just, just check. And maybe not, you know, maybe you can say, no, I just like the word field trip. Okay. But check if it has that energy, you know, see if it's, if, if you have an expectation about what a field trip looks like, what comes out of a field trip, <laughs> what's happening, because, you know, those expectations can just, just set us up for failure, disconnection and resentment. Mm -hmm. And it's so worth taking that moment, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, back to figuring out how learning happens, you know, if you have that, because, you know, what does a field trip look like for school, right? You know, there, there is that whole agenda, you know, the kids have to tick off that they hit this exhibit and this exhibit, and now they have to move on and everything. And if we've just subconsciously got that, we can be standing there at the chair. For me, it was my enlightenment enlightenment moment in that area was a bobsled um, exhibit at the Science Center, right? So they had a little bobsled there. The kids sat in and it, it was on motors and it would move around and it played a movie of going down a bobsled run. And we spent well over an hour there. <laughs> but that, those are our moments, right? It's like, okay, you know, I'm done. <laughs> But it was, okay, you know, I can be patient. I can see that they're still engaged. They're having fun. And it was this whole moment for me of coming to realize and understand the value of them staying there 
and staying with where their engagement is, where their fun is, where their joy is, because that's where their learning was in that moment. If I pulled them to go somewhere else, half their brain may be thinking about that and maybe uninterested in that. And you know what? The next the next time we go to that, they'll the next exhibit, you know, if I'd pulled them there, they would have bad memories of that and they wouldn't right. dive in. And, you know, that might have been something that would be a big deal for them, like that they would have had a lot of fun with, et cetera, right? So following their pace, I think, is what we learn if um, that can, agendas that can be so easily attached to the idea of field trip, right? So, and I think, um, so kind of this underlying, you know, lesson too is that, um, all right, let me think how I want to say this. So, if we take the checklist, because you're right, the field trip has the checklist. You've been to each thing. The visit becomes about the checklist. So it becomes about just checking the box that you saw the monkey thing, you saw the frogs, you saw the chair, you saw the whatever. Whereas when you're really able to explore it at your own pace, you're listening to what inside of you you're drawn to. And, you know, so often we talk about people in their 20s and whatever, they're directionless and they don't know what they want and they don't know whatever. And I'm like, well, how could they know what they want (laughs) when we're telling them to check the box? And no, don't stay at the poison dart frogs because you've already checked that off the box. But, but they're drawn to the color or why is the habitat like that? Or what is that? And we don't know where that exploration would go because we've just moved them on to the next thing. But what we see in unschooling is there might be a deep dive on poison dart frogs, you know, because we had a really cool exhibit, which reminded me from Discovery Place. And, you know, oh my gosh, we went through a poison dart frog stage, you know, where we had the little ones, we looked at books, we watched, you know, things, all because we spent time just staring at this pretty tiny habitat of poison dart frogs. It then led to all of these other places. And so that pacing is so critical, but what that is teaching, it's not about the poison dart frogs. It's about how do we listen to what we inside are drawn to and interested in? How do we recognize that, explore it, and find find out more about it? That's what I love about it. <laughs> That's what I love is that we're learning how to listen to these messages inside and then get more information about what we're interested in versus this external check off the box. You've already seen that. You know that they do this. You answered the three questions about the poison dart frog and now you've moved on. So yeah. I just think that's critical. Yeah. I just do for learning and for humans and for to move forward as adults. I think it's critical knowledge about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by us as a parent supporting them doing that, we're showing that it's valuable. It's yes. valuable for you to follow, for to stay here as long as you need or, or want, you know, before we move on. And that another part of the de-schooling that's for us, so often we can get caught up, well, you know, we paid for this admission. We got to see all the things, right? <laughs> that, exactly. That will be another thing that you're going to be working through. Because imagine what's more valuable, right? Oh. Spending a time where they're getting so much out of it, even if they're in the same 10 foot square area for an hour and a half, whatever, that is so much more value than or dragging them. Something that held their interest for an hour and a half. Yeah. We don't know what they're taking in about that particular thing, but clearly it's interesting <laughs> because they're <laughs> willing to stay there. So that's great. 
<laughs> Is there another word that you wanted to bring up before we move on? Um, I think... And, and I don't know that it's a word we use so much. It's subjects is what I want to talk about. Um, because maybe it's not something we say the word subjects, but I think we chunk things into subjects. So it's, um, oh, look, it's the math opportunity or it's the English opportunity. We're going to write our thank you letters or we're going to do whatever. And that and we're checking boxes in our head. And I think... Um, that is absolutely taught by our school society to chunk the world into subjects. Mm -hmm. And it isn't helpful because, you know, what we find as, as unschoolers and really as learners, as adults and anything else is any particular project covers any kind of subject that you want to cover and, and, and chunking it out separately kind of just stagnates or stops you because it's like, Oh wait, this is math and I've got to figure out this, but if you're just trying to solve how I want to build the tree house, you're going to use all of these different things. It doesn't matter what subject it falls into. And that, that's one of the great things about unschooling is we don't have to worry about that. And some people do for reporting, I know, but even in the situations, you've had some great episodes recently about reporting, you know, you can jot down the things that you're doing, but, but I would even say in that situation, don't, be chunking into subjects when you're with your child or when you're doing things, write down what you're doing. And then later, if you have to report in a particular way, you can spend an hour in that zone of subjects in, in school language. Yeah. But you don't have to do that in a day to day basis because I think it's, um, you know, when we chunk things into subjects, I think we run the risk of children thinking they're bad at something, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at this. But what I've found is when they're following their passion and the different tools, we'll call them, come up in following their passion, they do get it and understand it and do. And so it, this, this idea of this construct of subjects is just not helpful. So I think, you know, again, if you find yourself thinking that, just step back. Why, why do I care? Why do I think about it? What does it mean? And again, you may not want to change your mind or your thinking about it, but I think it's worth that little pause to think, where's that coming from? Mm -hmm. And that ties back so nicely when we were talking about learning again, right? Seeing learning as linear because subjects lend themselves to that, that linear nature, right? Versus uh, the more web uh, view where, like, like you were saying, you know, building a treehouse hits math, it hits nature, it hits, you know, it hits so many different things, so many different topics, and you're going to use so many different skills as you figure it out and, you know, research and look at plans and, you know, that is the more interconnected nature of everything. And absolutely, even if you need to do it for reporting, um, it can get in the way of our de-schooling and if, and in our kids, the way they see learning, they, the way they learn to see learning. Right. Um, if we're bringing that into our conversations, because even, even if we're not literally mentioning it, we will be um, bringing that energy to it. Right. And we'll start like, even our tone of voice may change just a little bit when we get to the math part of building the treehouse because math is so important, right? You know, rather than everything being valuable. <laughs> okay, so um, just to wrap that up, as you work through the bulk of your de-schooling and come to embrace unschooling, I think you'll really find that the schooly language will fade out of your vocabulary. So. 
Now I'd like to move on to de-schooling our relationships with our kids. Okay. Cause for me, this is another big one. Um, and truly kids are so much more capable than society in general gives them credit for. Right. Yeah. I yes. think it's, it's just so, yeah, <laughs> of course, Pam. <laughs> uh, so part of this de-schooling, I think one of the things that was big and, which I kind of thought I knew already, but you know, as we talk, as you're de-schooling, you get to deeper and deeper layers of this, but it is not adults versus children. It doesn't need to be adults versus children. We're not two separate classes. We're all human beings with at varying ages, with varying levels of experience, but we are wholly and fully in who we are in each moment, right? Yeah. And I think it's, um, this is another one of those great opportunities to step back and have that open curiosity lens because we, we do, we are handed expectations and paradigms about children really from the time we are children, you know, we're hearing them about ourselves, then we're being handed them as we get older. And then when we get pregnant and then when we have them. And what's so interesting when you step back is so much of the language around children is so negative, you know, and people are unhappy and they're, you know, complaining about children and how hard it is and how they're lazy or they're this or they're that. And I just think, why are people wanting to sit there in that place when it doesn't have to be that way? Because what we know is it doesn't have to be that way. When you're looking at children as whole people and that have so much to offer and you have this relationship, it's, it's so different. And, and this, this is kind of one of the words and it's not maybe so much related to school, but I think it's related to this language piece it's um, allowing is a word that we got rid of. You know, I'm not allowing you to watch TV. I'm not allowing you to, you know, go to your friend's house. We are just talking and making decisions and having conversations as two members of this family, four members of this family coming together. And so that, and that speaks to what you were just saying. It's this idea of parent child and especially, you know, authoritarian relationship there, um, when we can let go of that paradigm and those ideas that we're granting, we're allowing, we're doing, because I guess I'm just saying, when you hear yourself say allow in a sentence, that's another time to back up and say, huh, what do I mean there? Why am I saying that? And look at that situation because it puts you in this paradigm of control over another human being. And it really can impact the relationship. Whereas we just never needed that dynamic. We would talk about our needs. We would figure out solutions that worked for all of us and move forward in that way. So I think that's so important, but we have this belief that children aren't capable of having those conversations. And yet I'm telling you, I had those conversations with two and three year olds because they are fully formed people that have ideas about how they want to move through the world. Now, do they know everything? No, they don't. Do I know everything? No, I don't. And so we can do, we can explore those things together and, and they'll learn as I'm exploring, telling them my needs and how I feel about a situation, what I've learned, and they'll tell me what they know. And I think this comes into play when, um, I'm thinking of early examples on the playground where you have parents saying, you know, don't climb up there, don't do that, or be careful, or do this and worry. And one of my friends that I, she met me at this park, and one of the first things she heard me say was, um, 
oh, my child was way high. She was a climber. She was really high. And, you know, I was just like, except like, oh, look at that. Wow, you're way up there. How's that feeling? You know, and just asking her to kind of get into her body about how she felt about it. And she's like, I feel great. And she did. And she was fine. Whereas the other mothers were like, oh, my God, they can't climb up there. It's too scary. It's whatever. And so it's this, I trusted her capabilities because I know that she knows how to listen to her body because I haven't overridden that. And I think that's that piece of, of we can override that. So people will say, okay, I think I'm getting off on a tangent again, but people will say that, but no, they can't do that. They make a poor decision or they do whatever. And, and I believe as they're empowered to listen to themselves and to assess the situation and they're not feeling pressure and um, as if there's an authority over them telling them what to do, they are absolutely capable of making those decisions. But now, just like any human being, when we are pushed, we will push back and maybe in a way that's not always smart or safe, but you can take, you don't have to be that person pushing to cause the pushback, I guess. So that's maybe a tangent, but <laughs> No, I love that. That that and that's what came to mind for me like that that climbing thing. If you had been saying, you know, no, you're not allowed to climb that. No, you're not allowed. That's too high. That's too high. And then you turn your back and they start climbing. They're going to climb because look, she's not looking. Here's my opportunity. Right. And they're not checking in with themselves, right? That's that is the difference because you know, they don't want, when it is fully, they're empowered fully to make their choices, they don't want to push themselves to a place where they feel like scared. You know, there's the, oh, I'm challenging myself moments and I'm going to just do one more and see what it feels like, you know, and maybe they do end up, oh, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable here. I want to come down now. Can you help me come down now? You know, all those things. But those are all learning and things that they own because they're in that moment. They're making those choices in that moment. The choice isn't, oh, look, she's not looking. I'm going to just blow past and do what I'm not allowed to do. Nothing to do with what they're thinking about, right? Right. And the other piece of that, if they know that you are that trusted advisor, that you're trusting in them to make that decision, she also would feel very comfortable saying, mom, I think I'm too high. I do need help. Whereas I don't think the child who's pushing against or who is sneaking around they can get in a situation where they're feeling scared or it's dangerous and they don't ask for help because they're, they think they will be judged or they'll be punished or there'll be other issues. She knew I'd be like, okay, hon, let's figure it out. You're way up there. Let me see what I can do. You know, with no energy about you shouldn't have done it. See, you went too far. No, I mean, you explored it and then it didn't work. Like I want to be a yes. You know, this is the perfect reaction. You went to your limit and you found it and now you've asked for help. Like, isn't that what we all need to like figure out? Great learning. Do, you know? <laughs> I know that's exactly it, and that's another piece you learn when you're deschooling. I think too, in and it comes up in your relationship with your kids. But it is that that their choices. You know, it, it's dropping, losing that judgment piece, like not seeing right, wrong, taking that extra move and saying, "Oh, mom, I need help." Doesn't make it a wrong choice to have taken that last step, right? right? No, you know, there no. aren't right wrong things. Maybe they're choosing to do things like maybe I would not want to climb up that high or anything like that. But yeah, you've gotten to a place where things aren't right and wrong, but people are in the moment making their 
the best choice they can with the information they have and then realizing where they are in the next moment and making that so they're they're continuously making choices right they're not like oh look she's not looking boom i'm going to just dash up here as high <laughs> as i can make it till i get caught right you know they are they're thinking beings you don't stop thinking and choices aren't forever choices aren't even for the next half hour because in the next moment you can make a different choice right it's so big and and you know you dan danced around the it, for me i think the cultural language is is power struggles right in that mm -hmm. we think that power struggles with with our kids are inevitable and we think you know that as the parent we're teaching them so they should listen to us and you know and we keep bashing up against that power struggle right and you know the toddler years are famous for it with the with the nose and the teen years are famous for it with the you know wanting to go out and do things that parents don't agree with and you know but that whole paradigm of power struggles really doesn't need to exist does it it's just a construct and you know when i I mean, I feel like I've talked about this before, but, you know, from pregnancy, it was, oh, just wait until this and, oh, wait till they're a toddler. Oh, that idea of yours is great now, but wait till they're this and wait till they're a teenager and wait till they're whatever. Yeah. We just never had those stages because, yes, we would all have ups and downs just like I'd have challenging days and they'd have challenging days. But because we were partnered together and talking, there was never this power struggle. I, I, I mean, honestly, we never had power struggles. I mean, because it was who I don't need power over them. I don't want power over another human being. I really don't. I want to figure out how we can cooperate and how we can, you know, meet both of our needs. And so it's just a construct and a, to me, a false belief that that children and adults have to be at odds. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, the way I describe it and, and it made sense to me is how could we struggle when I'm trying to help them accomplish what they're trying to accomplish? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, that's what I want to do. I'm trying to help them accomplish it. Now, you know, I'm involved too. So my needs are, are in there, mm -hmm. but my needs are in there as part of the complexity of meeting their goals. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not about, no, you can't do that. That's not, that's not the starting place for a conversation, right? It, back to beginner's mind and openness and seeing things from everybody's perspective and everybody's needs mm -hmm. and wanting to help them accomplish what they want to do. So well, we're not, and even, when it, even when it's something, um, big. So you and I have older children. So there can be some big decisions, you know, like for you moving to another country for your kids or, you know, me, I have kids moving out and doing different things. These are big, big decisions, but, and, and sometimes I don't necessarily understand exactly where they're coming from, you know, but, but my first reaction has to be like, okay, well tell me more about that. Like what's interesting to you about that and whatever, as opposed to that doesn't make any sense. No, you're not going to do that. I'm drawing a line here. Like I'm never going to draw a line for another person. I want to have a conversation about, okay, well tell me what draws you to that because those conversations then give us insight into why. And, and then what we've seen, and I know you've seen it too, is there really has been a lot of thought that's gone into a decision that maybe to us seems out of the blue or doesn't make a lot of sense. 
then it's like, okay, I see. I see why they're drawn to it. I see what's going on. And then I can go inside and say, okay, so what are my issues? Why am I feeling this kind of reaction against it? And then I can address those pieces. And and I, I try to do that internally. And then so what I'm taking to them is like a calmer, like, okay, but I'm kind of wondering about this piece or can you help me figure out this piece? And again, we're having a conversation. There's no power struggle. There's no power dynamic there. It's just yeah. a matter of two people who love each other trying to understand and work towards this goal. Because like you said, I want them to do what they want to do. I want them to do it safely. And I want, you know, I want to feel okay about it too. But in the end, it's their life, you know, <laughs> like they're going to be making these decisions. And especially for you and I, our kids are adults, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I love that that foundation has been laid from the time they were toddlers for us, you know, where we have conversations and they want to do things that sometimes say, I want to climb out on the end of this branch. Well, okay, tell me what this and whatever. So we have this foundation of how to have these conversations. And that's what I think is so fun. And as people, I, I do love, um, also, this is from the people from the summit again, just talking about how I didn't know it could be like this. I didn't know that, you know, how excited and, and just the, I didn't know that we could all relate in this way and be so happy and joyful and figuring things out. And again, that doesn't mean you're not going to run into struggles. We all have life brings challenges, but oh my gosh, they're so different when you're together as a team working through those challenges. Yeah, I love that. And it, you know, and sometimes it, it just comes to, you know, when something's like going on, and you're like, ah, and like you said, you take the time yourself to, to process a little bit, because there's no need to bring ah to I don't bring it to my husband, I don't bring it to anyone, because I haven't thought through it yet. I don't know what I'm thinking yet, you know, to even have that conversation. But you know, sometimes, you know, even lately, it's like the realization is, wow, I would never in a million years have made that choice for me, but right. I'm just so impressed and love that that choice feels really good for you. You know, yeah. it's, it's just like, it's your moment to appreciate how different they are as a person, right? That, you know, they've had the space to grow into who they are, right? And to not feel like I need them to be a person that makes me feel comfortable. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So just to wrap that piece up, I think um, when it comes to relationships with our kids, as you work through that, the bulk of your de school, and I'm, I'm always saying the bulk of your de schooling, I guess now's as good a time as any to mention that is because even now you and I are, are running into moments. There are moments that you've never encountered before. It's like, Oh geez, I've never thought through this for myself you know, to see what I think to, we've never had a situation like this or, or anything like that. So, you know, there's always going to be moments along the way um, where you're going to bump up against something new and you're going to be thinking it through. And, you know, so on one hand, we sometimes say de-schooling never ends, but you know, there is that first, you oh. know, six months, a year, two years, you know, where you've pretty much hit most things, um, and you've worked your way through them. So that's what I mean when I say through the bulk of your de-schooling. And you really, um, you really know, again, in your bones, because you've seen it in action and you've lived it, not just understood it intellectually, that children are real people in their own right. They're capable of doing things. They're not adults in the making. And you can have a fully 
wonderful connected relationship with them. Okay, so the next piece, we're getting a little bit more esoteric here as we dig deeper and deeper um, into the de-schooling process. Another thing I think that we do a lot of work de-schooling around is our values, you know, because that's, that's, that's part of who we are and it's part of who we bring to this. And now we are kind of changing up how our relationships are going in our family and how we want our relationships to be. Um, so, and also when you opt out of very conventional things like, um, like the school system, for example, um, you are really redefining a lot of things for yourself. You know, all of a sudden it's not grades that your family or your children are shooting for, and it's not degrees and, and stuff like that. We're really redefining how we see our family, how we see success, what our priorities are all through defining, a, uh, redefining our values and what we hold dear. Right. Yeah. And there, I think there's, a few layers I want to touch on here, but I'm just going to start with this one because I think it's like you're saying, there's some constructs that are helpful to even let go of. And for me, one of the big ones is, is the right wrong? And we touched on it a little bit before, but I think I want to touch on it here because for me personally, um, when I was younger, before I had children, I was um, very, I am still pretty left-brained, but but a little bit softened and to do a little bit both now. But um very right, wrong, black and white, you know, when I was younger, that there's one way and, you know, that this and that concept of right and wrong has been the most helpful to let go of. And, and I can hear people watching going, but, but there's a right and a wrong and there's a right and wrong. There just isn't. In my experience, what has helped me is to let go of the idea. So maybe we can say there is or there isn't, but that idea when I bring that idea to a situation, it, it just stops everything. Because if one person's right, the other person's wrong, as opposed to, so it's in this idea of a subjective reality, you know, because, and we can look at simple things like hot and cold. We can, you and I can both walk into the same room and one of us is hot and one of us is cold. You know, we can approach an activity and it's easy for one and hard for another. And it's, some things are fun for people and not fun for others. And that's, you know, stepping outside of our experience to understand that other people experience things differently. And again, can be as simple as, you know, we've talked before about introvert, extrovert. And, you know, my best friend, Pat, is the extrovert. And, you know, what literally brings her bliss and joy is just a living hell for me. <laughs> so, you know, it's we we have to and, and she could not understand why. Why do you not love the big party and the thing and the what I'm like, I do not love the big party. <laughs> and so. But, but it, it was so great for the two of us. And so here we are, you know, in our, at the time, in our late 30s, 40s, learning that, okay, we re people really can see the exact same thing completely differently. And so just letting, whole of that, letting go of that whole construct of right and wrong and there's one way, I think it's a critical piece to unschooling because I think it's because we're living in relationship with other people. And so we really 
we really need to be able to see that they can see things very differently than we do. And, and so that's one of the things I want to say, but I'm going to let you talk and then I may have some other ones I want to say. <laughs> this one, this piece that I had that I wanted to mention ties very nicely into that, that right wrong piece. And it's the piece <clears throat> that most of us will bump into. It's, it's when we hold strong beliefs about something right? Uh, when we think this is right, when in reality, it's right for us, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean it's not right for us. Like, like dumping the right, wrong thing, absolutely, 100%, but it doesn't mean us giving up who we are. And mm-hmm. what that's why I use the word belief. Like, this is the things that I, that I believe, and I believe they work well for me. You know, it could be anything from religion, it could be food base, you know, a way of eating that, that works really well for you and makes you feel really good does not mean that it will have that same effect for your, for your children, right? They have a different body. They have different taste buds. You know, it's just a wide gamut. And that big shift from there not being a right and wrong, from things that are super important and valuable to me that are a strong part of my identity don't need to be parts of the other people in my family's identity. I can live them. And what you're living as an example of is, is living in your own beliefs, right? You're still showing your kids a great thing. If you know, you're a vegetarian and you continue being a vegetarian, but your kids want to eat meat or whatever, right? You know, when they get to the point where they realize, you know, maybe you're making vegetarian meals when they're little kids and you know, everything's tickety-boo, no problem. But you know, maybe they discover hot dogs when they're out or whatever, and they want to try them and stuff like that. Um, You know, that's when it becomes a question. And, but them seeing like you still saying, you know, I don't want to have that you know, and in conversation, explaining why, what your choices are, et cetera, but not presupposing that those are the best choices for them and letting them discover what those choices are for them. So being in them without judgment, holding onto your beliefs without judging other people for theirs is a wonderful example for them to say, hey, you know, because Lissy, I think she's, decided to eat vegetarian, I don't know, eight or nine, something like that. And she still is. And she's like 25 now, you know, that's, that is a strong belief for her. We never belittled her for it. And she never belittled us, you know, again, back to the power and the kind of relationships that, that we've developed and, and just helping people do what they want to do. It's like, you know, what, what do you want to make sure that I have on hand? You know, that kind of stuff. It's just that I think, when it comes to de-schooling and thinking about our values and our family, that is, like you said, a huge piece of it. Um, go ahead. And well, and I think your explanation um, brought out a nuance that that is maybe important to reiterate, and that is, we're not saying that there's not a right and wrong. It's that we can't impose it on others. That we we really only know what's right and wrong for ourselves. And that's kind of a big concept to really only know what's right and wrong for us. I only know what's best for me. And that's a big thing that parents, you know, but I know what's best for them. I can see, I have this more experience. I know. But what I learned very early on is I really don't know what's best for someone else. Now I do have experience and I do have my perspective, which I can share. 
but I still don't know because this is another human being, be it my child or my husband or my friend that's going through this situation and their perspective may be very different from mine. So it's not feeling like, oh, I have to give up these ideas or these beliefs that are important to me. Not at all. But, um, but, but it may be examine and say, okay, these are important to me. Here are these things that are super important to me. And, and then I think you can share joyfully why you made those decisions versus needing to impose has a different energy about it. And I think, you know, we can see in our broader society, we have some issues with this. And so I love the idea of us empowering children to have their own personal beliefs without needing to push them onto others. Because I think if we're all checking in with ourselves and our heart and our values that, you know, that's just going to be a better place to live. And and so I think it's, it's a nuance, but it's, again, these are things to, huh, when you want to have a moment to kind of think about something for a little bit, you know, these are important places, I think, to start that really can impact your relationships and your family, that can really make some huge changes that people didn't, don't even believe are possible, really. Yeah, and <laughs> we're just going back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, when you're helping your child explore something, right, like like Lissy and her vegetarianism, you know, it could have just been a month or two, right? right? Who knew when we started? But you're helping them explore something so that they better understand themselves, right? It's not a right or wrong choice if they change their mind in the near future, right? Again, this is this is you're helping them explore and the trust that you're developing with them, the trust the trust they have in you that they can count on you to help them explore something when it's um, important to them, right? They can trust you. And doesn't this speak back to what we talked about before, the pushback? So if you don't, if you allow that space without this idea of um, dogma around a diet or whatever, whatever, it allows you to truly then check in and not make a reaction or make a decision because of a reaction like, well, she's saying that I can't do it or that it's this or that. So I'm going to do it, even though my body maybe doesn't feel better. I'm going to, I'm going to keep pushing through that because I'm going to prove to them that I can do it. Whereas you don't have that dynamic. She might've said, Oh, I don't feel great this way. Or she can say, I feel great this way. And I get that you guys don't, that's okay. Do you see how different that energy is when you're both just open and exploring versus if people are kind of locked in this defensive position? Because the minute you're locked in, the choices um, are outside of the person. Yeah. Right? The choices become about the the conflict, yes. the person. They're no longer about the person figuring out messages for themselves. I mean, there was there was a couple months there that Lissy tried vegan, and then and then she's like, no, you know what, this isn't working for me. I'm going back to vegetarian. You know, it's. But yeah, as soon as you bring like a power struggle, you know, back to it as a component of any of these explorations, the decisions become and the choices become about that and become about being right. in reaction to that because that and that just starts clouding the whole thing. And then that needs to be worked through before they can again hear their own messages um, from themselves and to and really um, process what's going the feedback that they're getting when they do it. Right? Because the overriding feedback can see I can do this. You know, and they yep. stop there instead of actually seeing, did I feel good about it? Did I really enjoy it? You know, it, it, the 
kind of the spite factor gets rolled up. And I think that's where the misperceptions come into play though, right? Because, you know, that's what's happening with most, you know, situations and, and most society, mainstream society. And so that's why they're pointing to, but see, they're spiteful or they're this or they're that, or they're bucking against a system or they're this, or they're just causing problems or whatever. And we're saying, but that's the system and the environment, not the innate person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's it is, you know, and when you think about kids in school and all the assumptions that society makes about kids that learning is hard, that kids will avoid learning, all those things aren't there because they are innate to, to children, right. which is what society at this point thinks. They're innate to children in that system. Well, not even innate. That's the wrong word because it develops Yeah, be- when yeah. they're in that system, right? So as you're working through your values, uh, just in general, through the bulk of your de-schooling and, and you're moving to embrace unschooling, in my experience and with lots of other experienced unschoolers that I've connected with over the years, I think you will find um, that it really boils down to your relationships and, and focusing on building and maintaining those strong and connected relationships really just trickles down into everything else, right? It trickles down into into supporting their learning because when you've got a strong, connected relationship, they're going to come to you and talk about the things that they're interested in. They're going to talk to you to process through things, um, relationships with friends and, and, you know, anybody else out in the world, mentors, that kind of stuff, they're going to come to you. And if you've got that strong relationship, you don't have that pushback that, oh, I don't want to go have that conversation because I'll just get, XYZ reaction, you know, um, once you're past that, all, all the other things uh, bubble up so nicely, don't they? Okay, so um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, and this is really interesting. So in unschooling groups, I often see some version of this kind of question posted. Um, what is the correct unschooling answer to this situation, right? Um, when you're asking that question or you're seeing that question, it's a great clue that that person is still de-schooling because, look, we're still using that right-wrong language, right? What's the correct answer? What's the right answer? <laughs> Doesn't mean it's not a good question to ask. I mean, you are de-schooling. It's helpful because it means we're open to looking at the situation from other perspectives. We're asking, you know, what am I not, what am I not seeing? What are other ways to look at this? So it's a great question. It's also a great clue that, you know, you're deep in the midst of, of de-schooling. And it's like, I want to see something. Through, I want to look at this through the new lens of unschooling, right? And the answers from experienced unschooling parents can really help open our eyes to the possibilities, right? Yeah. I mean, it is such a big paradigm change for people. And so it, it can take time. And that's what we talk about. That's why this whole de-schooling thing is even a thing that we talk yeah. about <laughs> and that it goes on. Um, But I do think the question, I agree, it's that time to say, hmm, okay, why am I needing to know the right answer? Like, why am I needing to kind of put it in this form? But I do think it's really natural because you have this new paradigm, you're testing it, you're questioning it, you're wanting to look through that lens, and maybe you're wanting to back it up and look it through the other lens. You know, that's just everybody's path is going to be different. Some people are really just going to go kind of full force and feel it and be right there in the relationships and do it. And other people are going to need to kind of step into it slowly and and really 
process all the different aspects by looking at it through the lens. You know, okay, well, how do I feel about this through the unschooling lens? How do I feel about this through the unschooling lens? And I think, um, so yeah, no bad questions ever. Mm -hmm. You know, I think again, it's just, it's, it's a clue to how huh, I'm still thinking in those kind of schooly terms of there's one right way. There's one answer. And, and, you know, I think I've mentioned it before, but there is not one right way. There's, you know, there's a right way for me and to move through in that moment. And it might change in the next moment. And that's okay because that that's, and, and keeping things open and flexible and curious like that, really allows us to grow so much faster when we keep ourselves stuck in, um, well, but this is the right way and I'm going to keep trying to make it fit. I'm going to make it fit. Yeah. You know, that keeps us stuck versus, okay, I'm going to step back and, huh, that isn't really working. Let me kind of veer over here and try this and try this. We grow so much faster when we have that open, curious mind. And so that's part of it. And, and the parents that are here even asking this question, they're doing that. They're opening their mind. They're growing. And it's exciting. And it, it's an exciting change. And I, like I said, I love seeing parents kind of come through this and in the stage and then come through it and how excited they are and how because I think you get there because somewhere in your heart, you know, there can be a different way. You know, you want to relate a different way to your children and you're trying to figure it out and you're hearing these voices from society or your family or whatever. And, but you still have this niggling feeling like it can be different. And so that moving towards this and getting there, it's really beautiful to see people move to that place and how excited they are to have found this way to relate to each other. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think that that's the cool thing too, when you ask the question and you get various answers again, back to, you know, giving it time, giving this process, this de-schooling process, um, the time that it needs to percolate because you know what you'll see over time, you'll see the same kinds of situations come up. And people will be answering from their perspective, right? It's from from their family, what worked for them. And you'll see that you'll, you'll really see in action that there's no single correct answer, right? There's not an unschooling answer. You'll come to see that answers um, can vary quite wildly depending on the family and the individual's that are involved, right? That's what you're talking about when you're, you're in that moment with your family. I think as you work through the bulk of, of this kind of stuff, de-schooling through this, and you move to embracing unschooling, what you'll have picked up through seeing, asking these questions or seeing the question asked or, you know, just seeing conversations or participating in conversations about all these different aspects is you'll boil down to and discover really what the brute unschooling principles are right because it's not it looks different in all sorts of different families um how one would approach it is different in different families but at the root of it the essence of unschooling is still there right those principles are still there um and it, it is it's so beautiful when <laughs> you realize what those those are and and then you are it's so much 
is easier the right word? I don't know, but possible um, to take those principles and to realize in your situation when this comes up, ah, now you can see how those principles relate and how even though it looks very different in my family, um, this is how it works for my family. And every time some little issue comes up, I don't need to go running off and ask questions. What should I do now? What should I do now? Because I understand the principles well enough to see how those principles weave into all sorts of choices. Right. Because I just, as you're talking, I'm just thinking if there is one answer to this question, it's always connect and talk to your child, (laughs) connect and have a conversation. Like that is the answer. If we're going to say there's an answer, because that's what shows you that it's different. Because if I have that conversation with this child about the same situation, their needs in that situation are going to be different than this child's needs in that situation. But it's always going to be come back to that connection, have that conversation, and together you'll find the right answer for you. Yeah, you know, exactly. Finding those roots. I love that. All right. Last one I wanted to touch on, because this is a question I see once in a while too, um, is the whole idea of, am I finished de-schooling? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And you kind of touched on it a minute ago, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, it, but I think for me, because again, we didn't have kind of the traditional de-schooling coming from school, yeah. whatever, but school and school culture is everywhere and a part of our daily lives. And so for me, I do find it sneaking in over and over again. And it's just for, for me and just the way I process things, I step back and think, huh, where's that idea coming from? And, and then I can kind of, oh, okay, that's coming from this idea that school is the right way or that this is the one way to do something. And so, but, but like you said just a minute ago, what I think you'll find for those that are kind of deep in de-schooling saying, this is tough and it's hard to have to question everything all the time, you'll find those uh, time period stretching out. So it's, it's pretty intensive at first as you're kind of peeling back all these layers and letting go of these ideas, but you'll find that you don't even give school a thought for months and months. And then suddenly something happens that maybe triggers you an interest that may involve a class or they get to be college age or they do, you know, these different things can come up where we have to re-examine. So maybe the short answer is never, but I think it, it isn't as intensive as it is right at the beginning when you're having to let go of a lot of ideas that you've held on to. Yeah. And I, that that's perfect. That's exactly it. You know, the, the bulk, the intensity, um, you, you can definitely get through that. I think for me, one of the clues is, um, as you know, as we were talking about our values and, and all that kind of stuff, I think for me anyway, that being done kind of just disappeared as a goal. You know, when you start, it's like, oh, I want to do school. I want to just be unschooling like right. everybody else, you know, get get through this, get through this. But eventually, you know, it, it was it's that judgment piece. I'm no longer judging myself. It's no longer a race. We're living, you know, and we're engaging and things go wrong and we're moving through it. And, you know, it just kind of faded away as a question for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that, you know, if you're asking yourself that question, am I done? Am I done? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a that it's a probably a good it might be a clue that you're not, you know, because, because you don't, 
quite get that things will come up again in the future and you're still seeing it as something that needs to be done as a box checking you still may be in that (laughs) that that kind of paradigm of we're checking the boxes look I'm unschooling checking the boxes and it's just not about that it's just about living and learning and things come up and layers and peeling and doing and all of that you know comes together but again it, it isn't something that weighs on you at all you know it's just it's just part of it Oh, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for taking the time to talk to me. I always fun. And, (laughs) and this one was, was super fun, you know, to, to start. I I hadn't really thought of it before in this way, looking at de-schooling in the bigger picture context of unschooling. So that was really fun for me as well. Yeah. Loved it. Thank you. Have a great day. You Thanks. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.